Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunrise this morning. Good to see you guys all. I'm um, excited to worship with you all. We missed you last Sunday with the cold and the snow, but hopefully we're all snuggled up warm while Pastor Dennis preached his sermon. <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, so it's a, it's a good day to be back with you worshiping. Just so happens with that uh, storm we had last weekend in the blizzard, blizzard conditions, um, the power did go out here briefly at sunrise, and um, we just found out this morning that that seems to have affected our projector. So we will not have lyrics for y'all this morning for our worship songs, unfortunately, but I will give you a heads up on what songs we're doing. So if you want to just quick whip out your phone and Google search the lyrics, you can do that. However, with our online friends, the lyrics should be working great for you guys. So you guys can follow along. However, if you guys want to watch a live stream in here on your phone, it'll be like 30 seconds behind. So that's not going to work for you. <laughs> so, uh, but we're going to start off this morning with there's nothing that our God can't do. A lot of words to type into Google search, but um, anyway, we'll, we'll sing. If you don't know the song, you can just listen to us and worship with us. I'll try to shout out or speak some lyrics as we, to kind of give you a little heads up on what those are. But why don't you guys stand with us? I'm going to pray before we get rolling. Oh God, we thank you for this day. Thank you that um, the heat is on and we're warm and cozy in here and we're got here to worship you this morning. Um, we know that there are technical difficulties sometimes, but we can push past them. We still can worship you. We can um, join together in community and sing your praises, God, and, and um, express our love and our devotion to you. So God, hear our songs, hear our praises today, and um, speak to us as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing. Just one word, just one word, you calm, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, and just one word, the darkness, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, just one touch, I feel, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see, my heart can help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do, there's not a mountain that He can move. Oh praise, oh praise the name that makes a way, there's nothing that our God can do. Oh just one word, you heal. You hear what's broken inside me. Just one word. Just one word. And you revive every dream. Just one touch. I feel, I feel the power of heaven. Just one touch. My eyes were open to see, my heart can help but believe. There's nothing that our God can do, there's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, makes, oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can do, there's nothing that our God can do. There's not a prison. There's not a prison wall that can break through. Oh, praise. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that our God can't do. I will believe. I will believe. For greater things, there's no power, there's no power like the power of G. Let faith, let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like the power of... I will believe for greater things, I will believe for greater things, there's no power like the power of... Let faith arise, let all agree, let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the 
I will believe. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that a God can do. There's not a mountain that He can move. Oh, praise the name that makes a way. There's nothing that a God can do. Oh, there's nothing that a God can do. Not a prison. There's not a prison wall He can break through. Oh, praise the name that makes a way there's nothing that our God can do song is same God same God I'm calling on the God of Jacob whose love whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock of ages. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing. I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your faithfulness. Calling on the God of Mary, whose favor, whose favor rests upon the lowly. I know all things you are possible. I know with you all things are possible. God of David, I'm stand calling on the God of David, who made a shepherd boy courageous. may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. On your your children then. 
you heard your children then you hear your children you are the same you are the same God you are the you answered prayers you answered prayers back then and you will answer now you are the same God you you were providing then you were providing then you are providing now you are the same God you you moved in power then oh you moved in power then God move in power now you are the same God you you were a healer then you were a healer then you are a healer now you are the same God you were savior then you are the same God you were a savior then you were a savior now you are the same God you are the same God oh God my God I need you oh God my right now you are the same God you are this you touch the lepers you touch the lepers then I feel your touch right now you are the same God you are the same God our faith God increase our faith God I'm calling on the Holy Spirit Almighty river come and fill me again come and fill come and fill me and fill me again. This Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. And God, help us to remember that you are the same God that we read about in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, the power that we see in you, that you are a miracle maker, faithful God who that we can trust in, that we can believe in, whose promises that we can stand on. 
God, increase our faith to believe. No matter what we face this morning, we can have faith that, God, what you did then, you can do now. We stand on that promise, God. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Do that. 
Take a seat. Good morning, everybody. So while uh, while Griffin edits my sermon, uh, we're gonna pray over some people. <laughs> so um, if if I could uh, have the. The elders, just come up on stage with me, please, real quick. And also, uh, Julie, if you would come, and Noah. So as most of you... Yeah, come on, Noah, come forward. So as most of you uh, know, and if you, you don't... Um, good grief, people, be observant if you don't know. Uh, so Ju- Julie and Noah are expecting. Uh, baby M is scheduled to arrive first weeks or so of February, like that's the... Yeah, we'll, we'll know the date tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So we'll know the date tomorrow. Um, and we just want to take a few minutes today because we're super excited and it's always a miracle when, when God brings uh, a new little one into this world. Uh, but there are some specific challenges uh, that baby M and uh, Noah and Julie are facing. And so I just want to let Noah share some of that with you. And then we're going we're gonna to pray for them and the baby this morning before we move forward. Yeah, so for those of you who haven't heard, um, Baby was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is a congenital heart defect um, where the left side of her heart did not develop correctly or completely. Um, and so it's a, it's a fairly rare but fairly well-known condition. Um, and the treatment plan is also relatively standard. Um, she's going to need a few open heart surgeries. So the first one will be one week after she is born, five, five to seven days. Um, the next one would be three months-ish after she's born. And the last one would be when she's about three years old. Um, she's growing well. In every other way, she's developing really well. She's, she's measuring large, actually, um, which is great. That's good news um, for... <laughs> Julie's like, says you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're, we're just anticipating a lot of time in the hospital. She'll be in the hospital for about a month after she's born um, recovering. So we're just anticipating Okay. That. All right. So we want to pray for them. We are super thankful for what these two, who, who they are, um, uh, how they, they serve the Lord faithfully. Um, here, we're thankful for what Julie does to keep everybody on track. Um, thankful for our Tabitha Rowley, who's going to be filling in and basically uh, keeping me out of trouble while Julie's on maternity leave. So we're super thankful for that. But this morning, uh, we just wanted to take a few minutes as, um, right, so this the time is coming near, just to pray. And so if you guys would just gather here, and then if the team, if you could just gather around, and is it okay if we lay hands on you? Is that all right? Friends, would you extend a hand in this direction? So, Father, we come into your presence thankful for your love and your mercy, thankful for your grace and your kindness. And, Lord, we, we want to pray. Uh, right now in this moment, we, we pray for baby, and we ask that you would continue to be with her, that you would continue to help her to grow. Father, we thank you that you are the one who knows us from the beginning to the end, that, that the scriptures tell us that you are, are there and active as we are being knit together in our mother's womb. And Lord, nothing about this situation surprises you. You are sovereign over it all. And yet, in the midst of everything, Lord, you care deeply. And Father, we have been told um, in the scriptures to come and to ask for what we will. And so our will, Father, is that you would bring about um, healing to this little one, Lord, um, whether it be through a miraculous healing, Lord, or whether it be through the doctors, the nurses, the the researchers. Father, we thank you um, 
Lord, for such a time as this, you have brought Julie and Noah to this space, Lord, where two of the top ten hospitals in the world to do this procedure, one's right here in Grand Rapids and the other one's in Ann Arbor. That is not an accident. We praise you for that. So God, we pray for uh, Julie and Noah, and we pray that you would give them strength for this journey. We pray that you would help them to love one another well. We pray that you would um, give them, Lord, help them understand and know that they can be honest with you, that everything that they're feeling they can bring to you, and that you will be with them in this space. God, we pray your watch care over them. And Lord, we cannot wait to see how you are going to bring honor and glory to yourself and exalt the name of Jesus through this family and through this little one. And so God, continue to carry them along, continue to be very, very near to them. And Father, as their church family, help us to, to also be very near and together around. So Lord, we hold them up this morning to you, praying in faith without presumption that you would be with them, give them everything that they need, and lead and guide them through this time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and God's people said, amen. All right, thank you. All right, thank you so much for being here this morning on this day where we pivot, and uh, Phil came up and was like, see, we shouldn't have got rid of those hymnals. Um, <laughs> It would have been handy today, especially with the progressive lenses. Like, I gave myself a crick in the neck because I don't know whether you have, you got to look if it's a distance, right? Singing with short people, you got to kind of look at it like that. Um, I'm glad I didn't have a pen with my notes. Um, I'm afraid Griffin would have made some real edits. (laughs) (laughs) Emily's like, oh, you have no idea. All right. This morning, friends, we're going to be uh, continuing on our series on Sabbath, and today the title of the message is Sabbath as Saturday, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, uh, verses 2 through 26, and so if you have um, a hard copy of the scriptures, you can, you can do that, or on these, this handy-dandy magic little box, um, I'm sure you can find that somewhere out in the recesses of cyberspace. Um, so today, we're going to be looking at this, this idea of Sabbath, uh, and, and, and we're going to be building on the conversation that we had last week about the fact that Sabbath is, well, well, well Sabbath is a time of, of, of rest. That's actually what the word means. And, and we, we looked last week at how we rest because God himself rested, and that rest and work are both good gifts from God that precede the fall, that rest and work Neither are sinful pursuits, but are good gifts that God has, has given. And, and, and when we practice Sabbath, or when we participate in Sabbath, what we are doing is we are demonstrating that we trust in God to provide. When we practice Sabbath, we're taking time out and setting it aside for worship. Uh, what we'll see later on down through the series is that Sabbath isn't just a time of trust or worship, but it's a time where we celebrate justice and we restore dignity. It's a time where we are being formed by the Spirit of God. And so today, we want to sort of look back and we want to talk about the Sabbath as Saturday. Now, as a young pastor, this may come as a surprise uh, to you, but as a young pastor, I was kind of who I am now, only less refined, if that makes it right. And so, so reports of my smug and superiority are highly understated, right? 25-year-old Dennis um, was really at times sometimes smug and jerky when it came to to things, especially little nuancey things in the scripture. And so young Pastor Dennis um, was the kind of person that when someone would talk about keeping the Sabbath, he would say, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> the Sabbath is Saturday. <laughs> now, what was interesting is that while I was smug and jerky to the people in my congregation and the people that I grew up with who practiced Sunday as their Sabbath, I was ironically also equally as smug and jerky with my Seventh-day Adventist friends who actually practiced the Sabbath on the Sabbath. 
Because those smug and jerky conversations will go something like this. Well, actually, <laughs> the apostles met on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and to worship. So, now this led to a couple of different problems. Maybe, yeah, the first is when you're smug and jerky, people don't like to be around you. Right? Just a hint, if you start out most of your sentences with the word actually. You see, the problem was, or one of the problems was, my friends, is that I rejected the liberty of my upbringing that applied the concept of Sabbath to Sunday. I rejected that. um, But I also rejected what I perceived to be the legalism of the brothers and sisters who kept the Sabbath on the Sabbath as Saturday. You see, my my smug superiority, while I felt very self-righteous in it, 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 it created a prison of my own making within which I was trapped. See, because here's, here's, here's part of the problem with this, is that I had, had trapped myself in a, in a space for which I did not have any answers. You see, see Jesus and the apostles, they, they took They took the Ten Commandments pretty seriously. And if this was the case, I wasn't taking this particular commandment very seriously because I didn't understand how it could work out in my own context. And it was my lack of understanding that led to my smug jerkiness. Now, there are all kinds of ways to to navigate this this tension. But but this morning, I, I... I want to sort of talk you through one of the things that helped me come to a place where the Sabbath is something that is super important, that I think we've we've, we've made a mistake in one of two ways. We've either dismissed it or minimized it, or we've elevated it to the point of legalism. So here's here's how this, this, here's how this went for me. See, the, the Sabbath is Saturday, but it's only Saturday... Kind of. When I was young in ministry, right, smug, smug and jerky, um, one of the things I was able to do was I was able to go to Israel and, and spend some time. And, and, and when I was over there, um, our tour guide was a very kind and knowledgeable lady by the name of Nola. And, and one of the things that struck me was how um, she was very militant about certain things. And one of the things that she was militant about was that our tours had to be done at a certain time on Friday because she had to be home to celebrate Shabbat with her family. And I'm like, why is Friday night so important? And she looked at me with all the kindness and with a bit of smugness. And she explained to me that days weren't counted from midnight to midnight in the Jewish calendar. They were counted from sunset to sunset, which I thought was really, really interesting. You see, the the Jewish people for for centuries and centuries, have, have counted days in a certain way, and it's different from the way that I have understood them. And as she explained all of these things to me, it became clear to me that the Sabbath, while the Sabbath was Saturday, it was only Saturday, sort of. See, what happens? How do we, how do we celebrate Saturday when we count days differently? Is it from midnight to midnight in one culture? Is it from dawn to dawn in another? Is it from sunset to sunset in another? And, and if it is, then mustn't Sabbath be greater and bigger and broader than all of those things? See, why, why, do, I even, well, why do I even bring this up? The main reason I bring it up is that it was on the other side of that experience that I started to think about the practice of Sabbath in a less destructive way, in a way that wasn't based on legalism and rules and regulations, but also thought of Sabbath less in a dismissive or minimizing way. You see, I... I had backed myself into a corner where, where I, I either rigorously kept the rules and the regulations of Sabbath or, or I was forced to practically disregard the practice of Sabbath keeping altogether because there was no way that I could keep the rules and the regulations. 
And I wonder, friends, how many of us have, when it comes to Sabbath, practically dismissed it or minimized it because we too were raised in a place that put all kinds of legalistic structures around the practice of Sabbath. Right, you could ride your bike, but you couldn't play baseball. You could run if you were being chased, but not for recreation. <laughs> if the hay came in, you could put the hay up, but you better not work at the supermarket. You see, the, most of us, I, I think, see Sabbath as being governed by rules and regulations and, and about what is and what is not permissible on a certain day of the week. But is that really what Sabbath is all about? Okay, let's, get to, let's get to Exodus chapter 16. And, um, and I want to just make a few observations this morning as we, we ask and answer some questions. So on the sixth day... All right, so on Friday, this is verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses. And he said to them, what is, uh, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of Sabbath rest, Shabbat, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. All right, let me give you some context around this. Chapter 16 of Exodus is, is a really interesting chapter because the Israelites, they've, they've gotten out of Egypt and they've headed into the desert and, and they've spent about six weeks traveling around. It's sort of six weeks post all of the things that happened, the death angel and the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army and all of that. And they've, they've spent a significant amount of time at an oasis, a freshwater oasis called Elam. And so, so it's, it, basically it's like they've gotten out of Egypt and they've been on vacation for a a few weeks, right? They're at this, they're at this all-inclusive resort, and um, right, they have people with a towel over their arm, bringing out, you know, the fruity drinks and things like that, and serving everybody, and everything is great, and everything is wonderful, but then they have left Elam, this oasis, and subsequently they've gone, and they've headed into the desert, and they're hot, and they're tired, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and they're cranky. And what happens in this setting is after they have left the oasis, they have been, they've been rescued or emancipated from Egypt, but they've also left the place of great comfort. And now this proposition of following the God who has gotten them out of Egypt isn't as easy as they thought it was going to be. Can I get a witness? Anybody ever been there? Right? You trust Jesus, everything is great, everything is wonderful, right? And then life sort of falls apart because the reality is just because you're a person who, who follows God, it doesn't mean that life goes the way it's supposed to go. And, and so some things happened when, when they became hot and cranky and thirsty. It's the first thing that they, they began to despair of life. The Israelites really, they look back and they're like, man, we, we, we would have been better off if we would have died in Egypt. The second thing is that they begin to reminisce about the good old days. Oh, can I get a witness about the good old days? <laughs> Michaela has a little sign up in her room, and it's a quote by, um, oh, Amy, who's that character? It's Ed Helms, but it's Andy, Andy Bernard from uh, The Office, where it says, I wish we knew we were in the good old days before we had left them. Yeah. <laughs> right? But they began to reminisce about the good old days, and there was things like this, remember? Remember when we were in Egypt and we sat around pots of meat? Oh, those pots of meat. Sat around those pots of meat. Do you remember? Do you remember that when we ate all the food that we wanted back in Egypt? Oh, I remember. I remember. Now, what are they not remembering? That they're slaves, right? But that, that, that's often how these good old days work, right? Remember? Ben, remember those good old days in Marine boot camp? Remember? No, no right? That's <laughs> Right, And so, so they began to despair of life. They began to reminisce about the good old days. And then they began to assign nefarious motives to, to Moses. You did this to me. 
You brought us out here in the desert to starve and to die. But the reality is, is that they were facing this hardship and it was dredging up all of these things because it was hard and it was difficult. And they were in a place where they were super uncomfortable. They were in a place where they were confused. They were in a place where they were tired and they were hungry and they were thirsty. And my my friends, here's the thing. Being tired and hungry and thirsty, it makes cowards of us all. And they failed to remember in that moment that the purpose that Moses came to take them into the desert, it was not so that they would starve and die, but the stated purpose was that he told Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may go into the desert and what? Worship me. The reality is is that there's there's a place and a space when we're tired and when we're thirsty and when we're cranky. Pain and discomfort And disappointment, my friends, has a way of teaching us the way joy and comfort never can. And see, it was in this place. It was in this place amid all of their grumbling and complaining where God gives them manna, the heavenly bread for the first time. This is something I find really, really interesting is that It's that God doesn't abandon them in the midst of their grumbling. He meets them in it. Man, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God meets me even in the spaces where I'm being a bratty, smug, jerky son. And when he gives them this this bread from heaven, literally the Hebrew word manna, it means, I love this, What is this? God gives them the, what is this? Right? Which may or may not have been uttered by one of or more of my children at various dinner times over the years. (laughs) Especially when I'm cooking. (laughs) Sometimes the answer was, it's ground beef and macaroni and cheese. Eat it. Once they're given this, what is it? Moses then gives them specific instructions, right? So gather up just enough for the day and don't don't try to save any. And and again, God is meeting them in the midst of this grumbling and complaining. Why? To teach them certain things, to teach them that he is their provider, to teach them that he is their sustainer, to teach them that they can trust him. It's a sign of God's power and God's presence that that, that he will give them what they need. Um, He also gives them, he brings quail into into the camp. And so they've got meat in the morning and or they got meat in the evening and bread in the morning. And, and God does all of this for his people. And predictably, not all the people do what they're told. Because, right, what's our natural tendency? Right? God says, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to gather up one omer of food. And you're thinking, Dennis, why are you holding up a little quart container? Because, amazingly enough, an omer is about one quart. How fun is that? (laughs) Right? And so it's like, I want you to go out and I want you to to gather up. Actually, it's two of these a day, right? So I want you to gather up. And for, um, I don't know what I've done. There it is. (laughs) This is your daily allotment of, what is that? Right? And I look at this and I'm like, I would be less chubby (laughs) if my daily allotment of what is that was about this much food. Right? But he tells them to go out and do this. And predictably, what do people do? They go out and he's like, listen, don't gather up more than you you need. Don't save it till the next day. There's going to be enough grace. There's going to be enough provision for tomorrow. Tomorrow. I'm... Just take care of what you need for today. But what do the people do? They do exactly, friends, what I would have done. (laughs) Right? They go out and they're like, listen, I'm a big fella. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Nick out gathering up. What is this? Leave us alone. We're starving. That's a Chris Farley reference for all of those who don't know, right? We gather, we gather all this up and we take it back and the next day it all goes bad, right? And so predictably, this is, this is kind of how, how they function. And, and 
I mean, guys, honestly, is, is it any different than us? I know it's not different than me. Right, I stand up here and I say, you know, we need to trust God. And then a lot of times when I'm tired or thirsty or hungry or cranky, I look at the gifts that God has given and I say, what is this? And so predictably what, what happens is this, that, is that then, then, then Moses gives them different instructions. God through Moses gives them different instructions for the Sabbath. And he, he tells them to do something different. I think that's why the, the, the leaders were out and they were reporting. And they were like, hey, it looks like they're actually obeying. And I can imagine Moses being like, oh, thank God for once. <laughs> right? They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so now we move on to verse 24 in, in chapter 16. And so they saved it until morning. Right? They, they did on the on, on, on that Friday, what they were supposed to do, and they saved, and they got extra, and they, they gathered all this stuff, and uh, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, right? Uh, nor did it get maggots in it. And then eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord, and you will not find any of it on the ground. Before we move too quickly, right? Remember, God is still resting. Hmm. The world is still as it should be. The world is still at peace. Chaos is still being forestalled. All the effects of sin, death, and the fall, even while God is resting and taking Sabbath, are met, right? There, there is no starvation. There, there is plenty for God's people, even on the Sabbath. Six days, verse 26, you are to gather it. But on the seventh, the Sabbath, there will not be any. So there are a few things, right, as we look at any passage of Scripture, right? So, so what are the universals here and what, are the, what, what is contextual? What, what applies to us and what doesn't? Well, there are a few things that don't apply to us, friends, um, and mainly because I think that most of us, right, we're not a nomadic people, right? Amy and I aren't going to go fold up the house this afternoon and follow a cloud somewhere, right? How we're led and how we're organized, how we're governed as a society, the fact that we're honestly not in the desert and, and scarcity and the way that they experience scarcity isn't so much of a thing for us, right? I, I don't go out into my backyard every morning and tell Amy, hey man, there's, there's an especially delightful harvest of what is this in the backyard this morning, right? I don't find quail descending upon, right? The, I've got to run them out of the pool. Get out of the pool, you're making a mess. Even how we understand and we measure days are different, right? From midnight to midnight, rather than from sundown to sundown. <laughs> We've got refrigeration, and so this little omer of a container, right? We, we had ribs earlier this week, and there's ribs and mashed potatoes in a container at home, and I am so excited at some point to eat those leftovers. <laughs> And friends, I will push it, right? I'll, you talk about the next day, things spoiled for the Israelites. Like, I'll push it. It can be a week, and I'll sniff something. And if it's something that I really like, I'm like, hmm, it's still good. <laughs> it's got one onion in it, though. I'm like, eh, I think it's turned. <laughs> you see, but there are some things that are universal as well, right? And, and I think these are the things, is this, is that just like our... Our Hebrew mothers and fathers, left to our own devices, we as humans can tend to grumble and complain when things get hard. There probably should be more nodding as I'm saying this. Yeah, we can, we can tend to grumble and complain when things get hard and when things get difficult. Another universal I think that's true about this is that leadership is hard, but following someone into the unknown is even harder. Often when, when a decision is, is made by a boss or in an organization or, or in a group of people or even in a family um, and, and someone ends up getting hurt or disappointed or we don't understand or we don't know why we're doing this or that or the other, we, we often will go to the same place the Israelites went because leadership is hard but following someone is often even harder. And when something happens and we don't understand it or we get disappointed or we get hurt, we have a tendency to, nefi to, to, uh, um, to place nefarious intention upon the person that hurt us. 
something else that's universal that's, that's in the passage that we actually didn't read. And, but in, chapter, in, in verse 10 of chapter 16, um, Aaron says this, as while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they, the whole community, looked toward the desert, right? Looked to this place where there's going to be more scarcity, where there's going to be more hardship, where there's going to be more, right, time for being hungry, thirsty, and cranky. And what did they see? And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. Another universal, I think, that has to be, that, that is true and that we have to grapple with is the fact that the Lord's presence is not absence when you and I suffer. Nor is it banished when we grumble. One of the things that I've learned over the years, my friends, is that all times and spaces can be sacred, but not all times and spaces are set apart or consecrated for the same purpose. I was thinking about this this week, and like all, everything, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, there's a, that there should not be a distinction between laity and clergy in the church. Right? I'm just a guy with a certain set of gifts and a certain calling that is a beggar who's trying to help other beggars find, figure out where there's bread. Right? Hey, Jesus is this way. Let's head towards him. Okay. But times and spaces can be set apart for certain things and each has their, their function. I was thinking about this in, in terms of, of, of a house. You see, there are sacred purposes for different rooms and different spaces within a house. Right? The, the dining room has a sacred and a special purpose. The kitchen has a sacred and a special purpose. How foolish would it be? Right? So we were, when we were going through this remodel, we had the bedroom kitchen set up over the summer. Right? And we had a little air fryer and we had a griddle and we had all of our stuff. And we moved it into a bedroom because we didn't have a kitchen. And it was really frustrating because bedrooms aren't wired electrically for, for kitchen duty. But the bedroom functions as a bedroom, the living room as a living room, and thank the Lord for the sacred purpose of the bathroom. <laughs> you see, a universal here, I think, is that we, we, we need to be reminded that the work of days one through six was sacred, and that God's provision was specifically tied to the sacredness of those days. He gave us what we needed Monday through Friday, for, or Sunday through through Friday for a specific purpose, but the rest of day seven was also sacred and that God's provision was specifically tied to the sacred needs of that day. I think that God is trying to teach his people and maybe by extension us some things through their and our discomfort. You see, something, they were learning something in this moment that they could not have learned in Egypt because they were slaves. But they were also learning something in this moment that they could not have learned in Elam because sometimes God teaches us more through our discomfort than he does through our comfort. God asked them the same question that I often hear him asking me when I get hungry or thirsty or disappointed or hurt and become cranky and I grumble. And that's the question, do you trust me? God was working. God was working and one of the things that he was doing for his people that, that Sabbath helps us do is it helps us rebel against and find freedom from the vices of greed and fear. See, here's what I think I missed theologically as a young man when it comes to, to keeping Sabbath. is that Sabbath isn't about a list of activities to avoid or a particular day of the week. Sabbath isn't about um, days or parts of days. It's not about counting uh, from, from a certain arbitrary time where we think one day transfers to another day. Sabbath isn't about making life harder or more oppressive for ourselves or for others. Sabbath is at its core an invitation and an opportunity. It is an invitation to set aside greed and self-importance and the feeling some of you need to hear this and the feeling that you need to say yes to everything. And when I say some of you I mean me. 
It's an opportunity for us to learn when enough is enough. To learn to cultivate contentment. It, it allows us to invest in the things and the people that, that really matters. It allows us to give ourselves a break and to also not take ourselves too seriously. It lets us come out of hiding and admit that we're not superhuman and that we need rest. It allows us to invest in others and to entrust them with responsibilities. Sabbath allows us to treat others around us as image bearers of God rather than cogs in a machine or means to an end. Certainly, my friends, greed and self-importance are components that, 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 that rage against us keeping Sabbath. But, but, but I think that this, this idea of understanding that God is God and us giving ourselves a break and being able to say no to certain things so that we can say yes to the greatest thing. Greed is one aspect of it, but fear is also another it's an opportunity to set aside fear and to trust God to trust that he will provide it's an opportunity for us to ask for help when we need it it's an opportunity to understand that the workplace will survive when I'm gone that the job can still get done it's okay for us to allow people to be disappointed. One of the hardest lessons for me to learn, and I'm still not sure that I've learned it very well, is that in ministry you're always going to disappoint somebody. You just try to need to make sure that you're not, not disappointing the most important people most of the time. You seek Sabbath. It gives us an opportunity to set aside fear. And we keep it. We keep it for a ton of reasons, but probably for the, for the, most, re for the most important reason is, is that it gives us this opportunity in order to see ourselves as we truly are and to see God as he truly is. While we don't keep the Sabbath in the way the ancients did, and certainly not in the way that we see the Israelites keeping it in Exodus chapter 16, we do and we can and we ought to keep Sabbath. As the worship team comes, I want to leave you with sort of three quick thoughts about this. Should we keep Sabbath? Yes. But hear me when I say, what day we keep it on matters very little. As we're going to hear here in just a few weeks, right, Jesus is confronted with the Pharisees. And they, they're really angry with him for not keeping Sabbath when and how they think that he should. And Jesus makes a, a very clear statement that they're mixing up the point is that rules and regulations are for human good. Humans are never meant to perpetuate and to be subservient to rules and regulations. See, what day matters very little but to have time where we set aside, where we seek peace, where we mitigate chaos, where we, we, we lay down all of our efforts before God and we trust Him to provide. You see, that's, that matters. How we keep Sabbath is, is important. Are we taking time to seek rest and peace, to focus on those things that I just mentioned, to remove hurry and chaos? But most importantly is do we have times in our lives where we are coming into the presence of God with the intention of surrendering and being formed by the person of the work of the Holy Spirit? Search me and know me, O God. And that we keep it as essential. It's essential, friends, because we are not robots and we are not machines. We are image bearers of God. We are people. We don't have inexhaustible energy. And we are not primarily human doings. We are human beings. God does not love us 
God does not pursue us because of what we can do for him. He loves us and he pursues us because he is our father and we matter to him more relationally than we do transactionally. Can you hear that from me? We matter to him because we're his, not because of what we can produce. When we stand before the Lord, I do not believe that he's going to look at me and say, you know, Dennis, you should have written more books. You should have had a bigger ministry footprint. You should have done this or done that. No, I think the scriptures mean what they say is that when he looks at us, when we stand in his presence, it's going to be very much we're going to be welcomed as good and faithful servants. Why? Because we've been faithful over a few things. And maybe one of those few things is how we've loved our neighbors. So, Father, we come to you in this moment. We thank you for your love and, and your mercy. We thank you for the call to set aside time where we can trust you, where we can pursue you, where we can be changed by you. Lord, we ask that as we continue this journey that we would learn what it means to be in your presence, to luxuriate in you, and to be loved by you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our final song this morning is going to be Christ Be Magnified. Let's sing together. With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Let's go ahead and stand together Were the whole earth Echoing his eminence His name would burst from sea and sky From rivers to the mountain tops We'd hear Christ be magnified Oh Christ be magnified And oh Christ be magnified, just let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. And oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. When every creature finds its inmost melody And every human heart its native cry Oh, then in one, oh, then in one In raptured hymn of praise We'll sing Christ, be magnified Oh, be magnified Just let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified, just let him filter life. Oh, Christ be magnified. Magnify in us, God. 
And I won't bow to idols I'll stand strong and worship you If it puts me through the fire I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true If the cross brings transformation Then I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life If I join you in your sufferings Then I join you in your eyes And when you return in glory With all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing My song will be the same Oh, Christ be magnified let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me Sing it oh Christ be magnified From the altar of my life Christ be magnified in me Sing it oh Christ be magnified Just let his praise arise Christ be magnified in me and oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Hear these words from Jude's letter. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present. Even the present when you're tired and hungry and thirsty and cranky and beyond all those times as well. Amen. Go in peace.